God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Well, hello. We just heard Psalm 46 again. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, And today we want to think about being still and knowing joy. Previously, we were being still with Psalm 46 and knowing God's peace as he's with us in the foaming waters. In verses 4 and 5, the psalm shifts from fearful, foaming waters to a river streaming gladness to the city of God. If we're going to get this psalm's stillness, we need to recognize its subtle shifts. If we're going to know its joy and gladness, We need to see and receive something, someone, someone unexpected but certain, unlikely perhaps, but true. Now, (laughs) I feel like I might be an unlikely person to talk about joy. Frankly, I'm not sure it's something uh, I'm known for. As near as I got to being joy is that apparently, if I was a girl, I would have been called joy. This psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah, also unlikely people to talk about joy. Korah's story in the Bible is joyless. He died leading a rebellion against a couple of God's leaders. So this band might as well have been called the Judas Kids. When you look at several of the other psalms they wrote, with all their challenges and difficulties and defeats, they could have been a blues band. I don't know about you, but that intrigues me. Actually, it's not so subtle that the sons of the rebel who led others against uh, God's people and purposes chose instead to trust God, leading us towards God's people and purposes, even in the very worst of life. I reckon they were onto something, something that we all need. Now, their psalms might seem strange to us, but the lyrics were probably much more familiar at the time. When you read through the psalms, you'll find there's several other times they speak about God protecting us from many and deep waters. There's also a recurring theme of God leading us to restful, refreshing, delightful 
life-affirming water. So if we're going to be still and know joy, what is it about this water, this river, for the sons of Korah, or us, that is glad or joyful? Well, firstly, it's now. The psalm says there is a river. This is not some future possibility, as if one day there, there might be a river. Ifs, buts, and maybes aren't a very joyful prospect, are they? Distant possibilities are, are rarely enough for anyone to be still. Fear breeds in uncertainty. Angst spawns on mere possibility. Doubt grows in the unknown. When we're waiting for important news or test results, we're usually restless until we know. In all these things, we're unlikely to be still. We ask, where is God? Is he here now? Does he see this? Does he know my life? Does he care? There is a river. It's a present certainty. When we're sure, we're convinced and confident, then there's room for, for fear to go and for joy to come. Do you know that? Have you asked God to show you where he is in your life now? Being still and knowing joy is about knowing God is here. And secondly, it's enough. There is a river. While the psalmist, you see, saw many waters breaking down the earth, roaring and fearfully foaming, there was just one river whose streams make glad. Many waters each had their dangers, while one river, one river, has joy. Popular opinion believes the opposite of that. The idea has been peddled pretty hard that we need many, many things and freedom for many more to know any joy. If our culture is fearful of anything, it seems most fearful of its options being limited. It balks at the notion of commitment to a single idea or a single person. Our culture's so afraid of it, they use words like narrow, bigoted, and fundamentalist. Whether or not we're actually afraid of limits, some are finding them very uncomfortable, particularly with the current COVID-19 lockdown. Because of all the many things that we cannot do that used to bring us joy. You see, our joy tells us loads about the focus of our love and our trust. There are many good and important things we cannot do at the minute, and it's going to be wonderful when we can do them again. There are also many relatively unimportant but vitally distracting things which we've grown to love in ways that simply aren't the best for us. And we don't need to, but we've chosen to place some of our happiness in them anyway. I've known something myself of health and family circumstances severely limiting me. When I needed to use a wheelchair to get about, no one expected me ever to be doing this like this again. Praise God, I can. But as we're all discovering in these times, when you have no idea if or how 
you're going to do things, again, you, you soon find out how much of your joy and your identity you've misplaced in the very doing of those things. Joy in this psalm is not in stuff or experience. It's not in safety or in comfort. Being still and knowing joy is not in escape or change. It doesn't depend on us fixing things or confronting others. Being still and knowing joy is not dependent on making sure we've insulated ourselves from violence and danger and injustice. All of that really hard stuff is going on in this psalm. And yet it's not about any of that. Being still is the way we live joyfully, slap bang, in the middle of whatever. Notice how the sons of Korah do that. By focusing on God. Joy is in God. His presence, his activities are enough. For the sons of Korah, being still realigns them. It, it reorients them with grace and peace, with joy and love. What about you? How much is enough for you? What are you finding out at the moment about where you've chosen to place your joy and your happiness? Who, who is enough for you? Maybe this is the first moment it's occurred to you that Life is not enough without God. Being still and knowing joy is all about knowing God is enough. Thirdly, and this might sound a bit obvious to us reading it now, but there is a river. You see, the city of God, and that's the common name for Jerusalem, didn't have a naturally occurring river. It had this intermittent spring called Gion, and it was outside the city, uh, outside of their city defences, in a valley to the east, uh, Kidron Valley, if you must know. And when the spring flowed, it was channelled into an open reservoir within the city called the Pool of Siloam. Spring worked okay, but, I mean, who wouldn't have loved the certainty and consistency of a real river? Rivers equaled essential provision and and transport so any city with a river was well placed and well connected a river would make many people happy in the city of god the psalmist sparks imagination for the possibility that their most essential needs will be met and secured not by their own efforts or chance circumstances but by being still and knowing God. Now that's seen in other Psalms too. In, in Psalm 63, David's in the wilderness, uh, somewhere without too many rivers, and where water might well have been his most obvious need, but instead he mentions his spiritual thirst for God as his greatest need. I don't know what I would have said. Am I happy to be still if my physical needs aren't met? Or do I still thirst for God as my greatest need. Psalm 37, uh, as God's people exiled in Babylon, they're about 900 miles away from the city of God, and they're sitting next to the one thing 
that their city didn't have, a river. Except Babylon had two great rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. They could have thought in that place, well, at least the water thing's way better arranged here. But instead, we're told, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and cried. Their greatest need was not convenience or resources. It was knowing God and being in his place. Is my restlessness more about my convenience? Am I content when my life works or only still when I know I'm in God's place? Later in the Bible, in 1 Peter, it says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, also wrote about his own spiritual quest, which shaped his life and career. He called it surprised by joy. What surprised Lewis most about joy was that the experience of joy as a state of mind was frankly overrated. He found joy most valuable merely as a pointer to something other and outer to God. Joy isn't an end in itself. Joy is for all of life, not just for Christmas. Knowing God and being assured of his love is the greatest river of joy that can stream in your life. Do you feel like God knows your deepest needs? Are you trusting God that he's got them covered? Being still and knowing joy is all about accepting God knows your deepest needs. And he's got them. Being still and knowing joy is all about knowing with or without seeing still knowing that's faith fourthly the joy in this place is because this river is here it's in the city now a city was many things it was a place of civil order of safety of trust a provision of enterprise and possibility a city is not really what we might think of now as a being still place but it wouldn't have been for the sons of Korah either. Yet in Psalm 46, verse 5, we read that the city is a place where God's help is known by those who've rested there. It's present, first thing in the morning, before they'd had any chance to try and fix up life for themselves. You see, the Bible offers us a different view of the places we're called to live. After all, the Bible begins with life in a garden, watered by a river, and it ends in a city with a river flowing through the middle of it. God's story makes its way from the garden to the city. And sometimes I wonder if we mistakenly think we, we've got to get back to the garden as if we can't or won't know God in the city. Being still is not a garden versus a city sort of thing. I guess we may have different ideas whether we'd be more glad in the garden or in the city 
But that's not the being still the Bible is speaking to us about. I think it's partly because we can know something of God in other people. And we're more likely to know uh, those other people in the city. It's his purpose that other people might know something more of God through us too. Being still and knowing God is more about people than places. Where are you expecting to know joy best? Who else are you hoping will also be there? And who do you think definitely can't be there if it's going to be a joyful place? Being still and knowing joy begins here. Being still and knowing joy begins with us. Now my talk ends in just a few moments. I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> I'm not joy, but I do know him. He's enough. That's my story, and I hope it's yours too. I hope this talk has helped you want to know him and, and want to know him better, whatever is going on right now where you are. I hope you're ready to relocate your joy. Remember, whenever you're watching this, that God is here right now. Let us be still. Let us know him in whatever we see and don't see. Let us know his joy. Thanks for watching. God bless you.